0: In these podcasts, we uncover one chapter after another from the life of the Prophet in an attempt to learn about him, love him, and better ourselves through his example. Immersion, mentorship, companionship, and tarbiyah. These are just a few of the things we offer alongside knowledge of the Prophetic Biography at Seerah Intensive two weeks dedicated to the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his noble characteristics. So this winter, join me in Dallas, Texas, alongside your classmates from all over the world to learn the story of the life of the best of humanity, the mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. Go to seerahintensive.com to register and for more information. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Sorry about the delay Inshallah we're starting with uh, chapter number 25 Babu ma jaa fi sifati khubzi rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the chapter about the types of bread the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to eat So before we get started, one of the main things that we um, are going to learn in this particular chapter is of course we understand as far as food is concerned um, that there are some general principles and guidelines in regards to food, Um, very few things that are prohibited and other than that, generally speaking, there's permissibility. Um, and, but the Prophet of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the types of food he would eat, particularly the types of bread, um, teaches us the simplicity of the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi and how the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi chose not to waste his time. Um, you know, we could say, number one, not waste his money on extravagant types of food and not waste his time trying to make more money to try to get more extravagant types of food. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to eat a very simple type of bread. And that's basically what we'll be learning about. The first حديث قال حدثنا محمد بن المثنى محمد بن بشّار قالا حدثنا محمد بن جعفر قال حدثنا شعبة عن أبي إسحاق قال سمعت عبد الرحمن بن يزيد يحدث عن الأسود بن يزيد عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها قالت ما شبع آل محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم من خبز الشاعر يومين متتابعين حتى قبض رسول الله, صلى الله عليه وسلم. The mother of the believers, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she relates and says that the family of the Prophet did not fill their stomachs with bread made of barley for two days in a row until the Prophet left this world. So first and foremost is the fact that the Prophet the primary type of bread, the Prophet ate was made out of barley. Now as far as wheat bread is concerned, that was something that the Prophet ﷺ, we'll see some narrations whether or not the Prophet ﷺ ever had that, but typically the type of bread that we're familiar with is, number one, it's made out of wheat, um, which makes it a lot more um, expensive and a lot more finer, and then secondly, uh, the type of wheat that we usually eat, that the bread is made from, uh, is filtered. Um, And that's something as well that it's commented on, that the Prophet ﷺ forget about eating it, something he never even saw in his entire life. But the bread made from barley would be a lot more thick, it'd be a lot more coarse. Um, So a couple of things, number one was that it would cost less, it was cheaper. Number two was that with lesser barley you were able to make more amounts of bread. And then the third thing is that it was more filling. So not only were you able to make more bread out of barley, but then a lesser amount of bread would actually suffice one person. So that's why the Prophet ﷺ used to prefer bread made out of barley, and even that he never ate to his full two days in a row. The second hadith, (laughs) قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبَّاسُ بْنُ مُحَمَّدَ أَدُّورِي قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا ابْنَ أَبِي بُكَيْرِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا حَرِيزُ بْنُ عُثْمَانِ عَنْ سُلَيْمِ بْنِ عَامِرِ قَالَ سَمِعَتُ أَبَا أُمَامَةً رَضِيَ اللَّهُ, تعالى يقول رضي الله تعالى عنه يَقُولَ مَا كَانَ يفضل عَنْ أَهْلِ ahli رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّىٰهِ سَلَّهِ Abu Umama رضي الله تعالىٰ عنه, this Abu Umama Al-Bahili رضي الله Anhu he says that or rather uh, Sulaym bin Amr says that I heard Abu Umama Al-Bahili رضي الله تعالىٰ عنه saying that there was a, the bread meat of barley was never left over in the house of the Messenger of Allah wasallam. So they didn't even have enough bread to the point where when they were done eating, that there was a little bit left over, which basically tells you that there was a little bit less rather than a little bit more. So everyone would uh, finish the bread and maybe it was, there was the possibility of somebody feeling like they could eat a little bit more, but that was the way food was in the house of the Prophet wasallam. Number three, حديث number three, قال حدثنا عبد الله بن معاوية الجمحي قال حدثنا ثابت بن يزيد عن هلال بن خباب عن عكرمة عن ابن عباس رضي الله تعالى عنهما قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يبيت الليالي المتتابعة طاويا هو وأهله لا يجدون عشاء وكان أكثر خبزهم خبز الشعير Ibn Abbas, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala And again, this is somebody who had insight into the life of the Prophet not only because of being related to the Prophet but because of his aunt, his khala, his aunt being one of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, Maymuna radiallahu ta'ala So he says that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ would spend many nights in a row hungry, him and his family. They would, not be, they would not find any food to have supper or dinner with. They had no food to eat in the evening. And the, خبز الشعيد, and the most common type of bread that they ate was bread made of barley. They mostly ate bread made of barley. So again you see that the Prophet of Allah him and his family sometimes would not even have enough food for it to suffice for the evening time. So what they were eating earlier in the day was already so little that it would finish and so when evening time would come there would not be any food left in the evening and then they would sleep hungry that night. Hadith number 4 قال حدثنا عبد الله ابن عبد الرحمن قال انبا انا عبيد الله ابن عبد المجيد الحنفي قال حدثنا عبد الرحمن وهو ابن عب... ابن عبد الله ابن دينار قال حدثنا ابو حازم عن سهل سعد انه قيل له اكل رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يعني فقال سهل ما راى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم انقي أن حتى لقي الله عز وجل فقيل له هل كانت لكم مناخيل على عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ما كانت لنا مناخيل قيل كيف كنتم تصنعون بالشعير قال كنا ننفخه فيطير, فيطير منه ثم نعجنه <تصفيق> So I read a little bit extra that is found in another um, version of the book, of the text, and I'll translate inshallah. Um, Sahal bin Saad, would uh, ta'ala anhu was asked that, or rather Sahel bin Saad, would ta'ala, he is um, a tabi'i and his father uh, is a sahabi. Or he him and his father both are sahaba. Excuse me, Sahal bin Saad radiallahu ta'ala anhuma Sahal radiallahu ta'ala talanu is the son of Saad, and they were both companions of the Prophet salallahu Sahal bin Saad was the sahabi who was the last one to pass away in Medina. He was the last surviving sahabi in the city of Medina itself. So he, it was asked. He, it was asked. He was asked one time. It was said to him. It was asked of him. And this is basically a question form, even though the Hamzatul uh, Istifham is uh, omitted, but nevertheless it's a question form. Did the Messenger of Allah ever eat a naqi Naqi means fine flour. Did the Prophet ever eat fine flour? And yani al-huwara. Huwara basically also... Um, is this is an explanation from the Raweed. So this is mudraj min al Rawi. This is an interjection from the narrator where he's explaining what it is. That basically it's flour that is grinded out repeatedly to the point where it is extremely fine flour. So that's what huwara refers to. So did the Prophet ﷺ ever eat fine flour? Meaning flour that was completely ground down to the point where it was very soft. So Sahal radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that the Prophet wasallam never saw fine flour until he met Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, meaning until he passed away from this world. So it was then said to him that at the time of the Prophet wasallam, did y'all used to have uh, the, uh, the grinder itself in order to be able to grind out the flour? That now the questioner is saying that, okay maybe, was it the fact that you didn't have fine flour was because you didn't have something to grind it with? That's the question that's posed here. And so he responds by saying, "Makanatlanamanachhil, we didn't have these types of grinders." And so then he says, "Well, well, how did you used to then make bread out of barley if you didn't have a grinder to be able to grind it down all the way?" And he says that we would basically just kind of rub it in our hands. Um, and then we would just blow on it. To blow the, the, the peeling and whatever had come off of the barley, um, we would just blow on it to basically blow the extra parts of it away. Fayatiru minhum Whatever would then scatter out of the bowl itself, then we would grind it, whatever was left, we would grind it down and make bread out of that. So it was extremely coarse. The next narration... <clears throat> قال حدثنا محمد بن بشار قال حدثنا معاذ بن قال اخبرني ابي عن يونس عن قتاده عن انس بن مالك رضي الله تعالى عنه قال ما اكل نبي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم على خوان ولا في سكر ولا له الله says that the messenger of a malik, <ichi> helh, Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم he Did not eat uh, on a table, nor did the Prophet ﷺ eat within small plates, nor was very thin, fine bread ever made for him. Then what did you used to eat on if you didn't eat on a table? Upon these uh, food mats. Then he just comments by saying that this is Yunusul al So again we talked about this narration yesterday that the Prophet would sit on the ground as a very humble slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and would eat from there. And he mentions he didn't eat from these small plates and bowls and all these different utensils and things. Um, and then thirdly, the Prophet never had very thin, very fine uh, bread made for him. The next hadith, قال حدثنا أحمد بن منيع قال حدثنا عباد بن عباد عن مجالد عن عن مسروق قال دخلت على عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها لي بطعام وقالت ما أشبع من طعام فأشاء أن أبكي إلا بكيته. قال قلت لما? قالت اذكر الحاله التي فارق عليها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم الدنيا والله ما شبع من خبز ولا لحم مرتين في يوم مسروق رحمه الله تعالى this is a tabi'i and he was known as one of the most um, senior and knowledgeable of the tabi'un um, and so he says that I entered upon Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. She had called me for some food. She was hosting me and uh, she provided some food for me. So she said that I never fill my stomach with food. I never eat food to my fill, except that I want to cry and then I start crying. And he said, why is that? She said that I remember the situation upon which the Messenger of Allah left this world. I swear to Allah, he never filled his stomach with bread nor with meat twice in one day. That the Prophet ﷺ never even had the luxury of eating a proper meal twice in one day. قال حدثنا محمود بن غيلان قال حدثنا أبو داود قال حدثنا شعبة عن أبي إسحاق قال سمعت عبد الرحمن بن يزيد يحدث عن الأسود بن يزيد عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها قالت ما شبع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم tala anha, حتى عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها she says that the messenger of Allah never filled his stomach with bread made of barley Two days continuously um, until he passed away. قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا أَبُو لَيْبَنُ عَبْدِ رَحْمَنَ قَالَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ أَبُو مَعْمَرَ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ الْوَارِثِ عَنْ سَعِيدٍ أَبْنِ أَبِي عَنْ ma عَنْ أَنَسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ مَا أَكَلَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ عَلَى mata Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu spent 10 years in the company of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi very closely. He says that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam never ate on a table nor did the Prophet sallallahu eat ever very fine bread, either the bread was very thin or the fact that the bread was made from fine flour until he passed away. The lesson from the chapter is obviously Very, very obvious. At least for myself, I don't even feel comfortable further elaborating and commenting, but letting the actions and the lifestyle of the Prophet ﷺ speak for itself. That the type of sacrifices the Prophet ﷺ made, how the Prophet ﷺ had absolutely no desire and he had absolutely no interest in any type of worldly means or pleasure. And it's something that is very... You know, again, we, get into, we can get into the conversation, well, it's not impermissible if the food is earned through halal means. And all that is there, no doubt. That's the realm of fatwa. What is permissible, what is not permissible. But the, this is the realm of taqwa. That what does God consciousness drive a person to do? And when a person actually has priorities in life than what they're willing and able to do. When you see someone who's very, very driven in their education or their career, That's someone who doesn't sit down and have elaborate meals. That's somebody who doesn't have time to cook food for two hours and then sit down and have like a very lengthy elaborate meal. That's somebody who eats, you know, a protein bar while running. That's somebody who's writing with one hand and then trying to stop in the middle to eat and then continue riding and then eat and continue riding. Otherwise, they'd be doing this, which is not right. Yeah. But you understand my point. That that's somebody who's driving and eating. They're, they're having breakfast while they're driving. Right? That because they're driven. They have a maqsad, a purpose. Right? The, the old um, kind of saying that whether you eat to live to survive or you live to eat. Right? It's just a concept. It's a mindset. What's important in my life? What drives me? Why do I wake up in the morning? Is the first thing I think about, what am I going to eat today? Where am I going to eat today? How am I going to eat today, right? Or is it some type of purpose? And then think about that in our lives when we see people around us who are that driven by their careers and their you know, education and their ambitions, worldly ambitions, Think about how driven a person would be and how focused a person would be if that person's maqsad, Then think about how noble that person's lifestyle is who lives for the life of the hereafter, strives for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think about the mission of the Prophet Wasallam. that the mission of the Prophet Wasallam and his concern that he had for humanity. How can each and every single soul be saved from the fire of hell and enter paradise? That it was something and it, it sounds again, you know, because we're just coming from a different mindset. But you think about it, it used to eat away at the Prophet ﷺ. لَعَلَّكَ نفسك مُؤْمِنِينَ Allah ta'ala says to the Prophet that you will destroy yourself. Worrying about the fact that they don't believe. بَاخِعٌ نَفْسَكَ إِنْ لَمْ يُؤْمِنُوا بِهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ That out of sadness and grief and worry and concern and drive over why do these people not believe? How can I make them understand? And so that was the mission of the Prophet when you understand that, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding of that, that then this becomes very self-explanatory. This was not a concern for him. He didn't care. He didn't worry about this. right? If somebody's out there doing amazing things, saving the world, and then you go and you say, oh, your car's kind of dirty. They're like, I don't... Are you serious? I don't have time. Right? Again, not to say that it's okay to be dirty, but you understand my point. They're just kind of like, I don't, I don't have time for this. That, you know, your um, whatever ornament you have hanging from your rearview mirror doesn't match the rest of your accessories in your vehicle, right? It's not matching, right? And they're like, are you, is really, like that's on, that's on your radar? Like that occupies brain space? That has a place and a time in your life? Ajib, right? So something to really think about. Chapter number 26 Babu majaa fi idami Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa babu majaa fi sifati idami Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi وسلم the chapter about the types of food the prophet sallallahu used to eat idam literally translates to um, something different types of food that are eaten different types of food that are eaten and so it's the, it's something that's extra almost like a condiment right and so that's why it's translated here in the book in front of you as curry, gravy, just any type of something extra that is eaten along with what you are primarily eating. So if the primary source of your sustenance is the bread, or is the rice, or is some vegetable, or is some, a piece of meat, um, then whatever is on the side of that basically is the idam itself. So let's read about this. قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدُ بن سهل بن وعبد الله ابن عبد الرحمن قال حدثنا يحيى بن حسان قال حدثنا سليمان بن بلال عن هشام بن عروه عن أبيه عن عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال نعم الإدام الخل قال عبد الله في حديثه نعم الأدم أدم أو الإدام الخل Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha relates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that the best type of item to eat your food with is vinegar. The best thing to eat your food with is vinegar. Like if you have a dry piece of bread and you need something to eat it with, some curry, some gravy, something that you needed to eat it with, um, then the best thing is vinegar. Again, why? What's the purpose of vinegar? Of course, you know, um, a nutritionist would better be able to explain to myself what benefits there might be or might not be. But as far as the maqsad of the Prophet ﷺ was concerned, number one, it required zero preparation. It was simple, it was affordable, it was cheap, it was very easily made. The Prophet wouldn't even purchase a vinegar, it could just be made. Um, and so the Prophet ﷺ, that's why he said that's the best thing to eat your food with. You have dry, coarse bread that's there from yesterday or from earlier in the day. And then you just basically apply some vinegar to it. You soak it in some vinegar and then you eat it and you're done. <laughs> لقد رأيت نبيكم صلى الله عليه وما يجد من الدقل ما يملأ بطنه النعمان بن بشير رضي الله تعالى عنهما a companion of the prophet وسلم, who has narrated many different hadith from the prophet sallallahu what's remarkable about him is that he sahabi ibn sahabi ibn sahabiya his father Bashir ta'ala anhu was a Sahabi, and even his um, grandmother uh, was a Sah- uh, His father was a Sahabi, and his grandmother as well was a Sahabiyah. He accepted Islam early on and he participated. He traveled with the Prophet um, in the conquest of Mecca. He didn't participate in the earlier battles because Nu'man was very, very young at that time. Nevertheless, he said one time to some people, um, he was speaking to a group of the tabi'un, the students of the sahaba, and he said that, don't you people eat whatever types of food and drink you want? Meaning you people have, you know, likes and dislikes, and what you like less and what you like more. You have all these different likes and dislikes in terms of food, and you eat whatever you want to. You have a selection. He says, I saw your, your Prophet alaihi And he says, your Prophet Instead, He doesn't mean to say, he's not my Prophet, but he's kind of, you know, as a teacher and as a mentor, he's kind of reprimanding them. That I saw your Prophet. He's also your Prophet as well wasallam, And he did not find, he would not be able to find, daqal. Daqal in the Arabic language is the lowest grade of dates. ar radim min It's the lowest grade of dates. The ones that fall and then maybe lie on the ground for a little bit before they're picked up. That they're a little bit damaged, pieces of them you have to kind of tear out and throw away. You can't even eat the whole date. Sometimes they're lowest quality because they get hardened, dried up to the point where it's not even dried dates. Um, That might be kind of a particular type of date that someone likes, but it's just not a very good date. So, وَمَا يَجِدُ مِنَ الدَّقَلِ And you would not even find the lowest type of dates that he could fill his stomach with. But rather it would just be a handful um, that he would be able to eat. And he would suffice with that. The next hadith, the next narration, قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ Ibn عَبْدِ اللَّهِ, الخزاع عبد 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 الله قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا مُعَاوِيَةُ ibn هِشَامِ عن سفيان عن محارب ibn الديثار عن جابر ابن عبد الله رضي الله عنهما قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم نعمل الخل the prophet of Allah الله said the best type uh, of item to eat your bread with or your food with is vinegar the next hadith قال حدثنا هناد قال حدثنا وقيع عن أيوب عن, عن أبي قلابة Al Jermi Rahmullahu Ta'ala Kala kunna, Inda Abimusa al Shari, Radi Allahu Tala anhu, For Utia Bilahmi Dajajin, fatanaha Tanaha Rajulum in Alcom, For Kala Malak, For Inni Rae to Hatakulu Sheen, For Halaf to Allah Akula Ha, Kala Udno, For Inni Rae to Rasululahi Sala who are he was Lahmad Dajaj. Zahdam al Jarmi, Rahimullahu ta'ala, he says that I was, or we were with, a group of us, we were with. Abu Musa al Ash'ari, radiyallahu taala anhu. Abu Musa al Ash'ari, radiyallahu taala anhu, is a senior companion of the Prophet sallallahu and who was also known as one of the most knowledgeable and wise of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu He was definitely one of the leaders of that community after the Prophet sallallahu His name was actually Abdullah ibn Qais, Abdullah ibn Qais. But Abu Musa was his kunya, and al Ash'ari was his uh, nisbah to his tribe, which was a tribe in Yemen. And so he says we were sitting with Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he was brought some chicken that had been cooked. Some chicken had been cooked and it was brought to him. So a man from the people kind of moved aside, kind of moved back. And Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, "Um, what's wrong with you? And he said that I saw it eating something so I swore that I'm not going to eat it anymore. So Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, Come here. Meaning udnu, come closer, eat. Because I saw the Prophet ﷺ eating chicken. Um, and so what the man meant when he said, I saw it eating something. Of course he wasn't talking about that specific chicken. That would have been kind of weird. Um <laughs> to keep track of it, <laughs> right? But what he generally meant was, I saw chickens running around, and I saw that they're kind of filthy animals, um, and that's when I decided, I'm not going to eat chicken anymore. Um, and Abu Musa al radiallahu ta'ala anhu told him, come close, and he made him eat it, because he said, I saw the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam eating it, I'll explain the reason why. It's obviously just because the Prophet ﷺ ate it, meaning it's permissible. The Prophet ﷺ showed, it's, showed us its permissibility. One could even venture to argue that because the Prophet ﷺ ate it, then that means it's a, even a good type of food, right? That you can't even argue about it being a bad type of food. But then again, it still remains in the realm of mubah. It's permissible. If somebody doesn't want to eat it, they don't have to eat it. Alright. But Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu is kind of forcing this man to eat it because again, we're not there at that conversation and so we're not hearing the tone of the man and kind of what the setting was. It was very possible that the way the man said it, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala anhu understood that he was trying to imply maybe some level of, you know, fiqh. That he was implying some fiqh here. He was trying to say that fiqh-wise, I don't think it should be permissible to eat this animal because I saw it running around on the street kind of eating you know, these types of animals, chickens, I saw it eating filth. So I think it should pro- be problematic to eat such an animal. And that's why ibn Musa al-Shari ta'ala said, no, 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 no. You're going to eat it now because your fiqh is wrong. All right? So that's what he was correcting. So as to not, you know... Um, Perpetrate basically a misunderstanding and not let it continue. <coughs> the next narration. Kala Hadathana al Fadl ibn Fadlubnu Sahalin al Araju al Baghdadiyu. Kala Hadathana Ibrahim ibn Abdurrahman ibn Mahdi. An Ibrahim ibn Umarah ibn Safina. An Abihi an Jaddihi. Kala Akaltu to Mara Suli lahi salahu alayhi wasalam alahma hubara. So Ibrahim Ibn Omar ibn Safina. Ibrahim Ibn Omar ibn Safina. ta'ala. He relates from his father, Omar, and who relates from his own father, Ibrahim's grandfather, Safina. Ta'ala anhu. And that's a man. So what first of all, whose name is Safina? Right? So this is a sahabi of the Prophet ﷺ. His name was actually Mihran. His name was Mihran. And Mihran radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a mountain of a man. He was a humongous guy. And one time they were traveling with the Prophet ﷺ. He was actually he used to be a slave. He was a slave and he was freed by the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ purchased his freedom and freed him. And so they were traveling one time and he and they had to get going and there was some luggage and things, supplies and he started picking things up and he picked up so much stuff like slung so much stuff over his shoulder and on his back and picked it up in his hands that he was carrying so much stuff the Prophet ﷺ said Asafina Tunant. Right, you're like a ship Right, that you're like a truck just loads stuff onto you and from that point on, the, the Prophet called him Safina and he was so, um, you know, obviously he was so touched by the fact that the Prophet gave him that nickname. And it was a complimentary nickname, called him a pickup truck, right, because he could carry so much stuff that he took it as a compliment. And from that point on, he used to like being called Safina and that's what he was known as رضي الله anhu. So Safina رضي الله تعالى عنه, he says, I ate with the Prophet the meat of Hubara. Hubara basically refers to what is kind of like a goose. Alright, so I had goose meat with the Prophet Duck meat or goose meat with the Prophet Alright, so that again shows the permissibility of it. رحم الله تعالى قال كنا عند ابي موسى الأشعري رضي الله تعالى عنه قال فقدم طعامه وقدم في طعامه لحم دجاج وفي القوم رجل من بني تيم الله احمر كانه مولى قال فلم يدنو فقال له ابو موسى رضي الله تعالى عنه فاني رايت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم أكل منه فقال إني رأيته يأكل شيئاً so the similar narration as to what we saw before. Um, the same Tabi'i, Rahimullah Ta'ala, saying that um, whose name is Zahdam Al-Jarmi, uh, ta'ala, he says we were sitting with Abu Musa al-Shari ta'ala anhu. There's a little bit of extra information here where he says that some food was presented to him. So this food was brought for Abu Musa al-Shari ta'ala anhu, and it was enough to share with the people around him. And that was part of the etiquette that if you are taking food for someone and you know that they have people in their home or they have their students with them or they have some friends with them, then bringing enough food that's enough for everyone. And in his food was also some meat of chicken. So it was maybe kind of like a tray of food and it was like a mixed dish. And amongst the people, there was a man who was from Banu Taymillah. Banu Taymillah. This was a tribe. Um, And he says that he was, his name was Abdullah. He says that he was Ahmad, like he was very, very light-skinned and had a reddish complexion. كانه مولا It was as if he was, now it sounds like he's saying a freed slave, but what it actually refers to is that it seemed like he was Roman. right? It's being used in that meaning. It seemed like he was Roman. So he says that he did not come close. And one of the explanations for that is that the only Roman individuals that would basically be in Arab society back in the day were the ones who were brought as slaves or who had come as slaves. Um, and so he says he didn't come close. So Abu Musa radiallahu ta'ala says, come close. When everybody else came close, he didn't come close to eat. So he told him, come close uh, because I saw the Prophet ﷺ eating from it. And the man responded by saying that, I saw this animal or this type of animal eating something and I thought, Like I disliked it, I detested it, I thought it was nasty. So I swore that I'm never going to eat it ever again. The next chapter, or the next hadith, excuse me, Kala Hadathana Mahmudu Bnu Gailan, Kala Hadathana Abu Ahmed Azubaydi, Wa Abu Nuaym Kala Hadathana Sufyana, An Abdullah bin Isa, An Rajulim in Ahli Shami, Yukala Huata, An Abi Us An Abi Asid, Rodi Allah Anhu Anu Kala, Kala Rasulullah, He Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallama, كل الزيت والدهن به فإنه من شجرة مباركة. Abu أسيد رضي الله تعالى عنه، he says that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi عليه وسلم, said that eat olive oil and apply it to your self as well because it comes from a very blessed tree comes from a very blessed tree. Now it says, eat olive oil. Of course, if you're going to just take olive oil, you're going to be drinking it, not eating it. So what does that mean? Of course, the Prophet is not telling someone to chug olive oil. But what the Prophet is instructing people to do is like using it again as a type of food, right? If you have dried up bread, soak it in some olive oil or apply some olive oil and then eat it, all right? So that's what he means. The second thing is that, وَدَهِنُوا and Apply it to yourself. So the Prophet would apply it to his hands and his feet, when they would get dry uh, or cracked or something like that, he would also apply it in his hair So he says, use it on yourself yeah. as well, because he says it comes from a very blessed tree. How? Why does it come from a blessed tree? Of course, this is something, مباركة, Right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about it coming in Surah An-Nur. Ayat An-Nur, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about it coming from a very beautiful blessed tree. And of course there's a lot of commentary, Imam Al Qurtubi Ta'ala has an entire passage where he says that Inna Makana chatratu Mubarakah because of all the benefits in it. Ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala, says There are many different benefits of it. Use You can use its oil for the burning of a lamp. Wahuwah um, idamun. You can use it as a condiment to eat some food. Wadihanun. You can apply it to your hair and body. You can use it when tanning a skin, um, a hide. بيحط به, بيحط به, that the tree, the 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 wood of the tree itself, you can use it to light a fire. illa fihi manfaa. Basically, all parts of it can be used for some type of benefit it was the first tree that grew in this world. after the tufan of Nuh السلام, it was the first tree that was found on the earth again. it used to grow in the homes of the prophets and it was also it's something that also grows um, in sacred lands and places. Wa da'ala ha sabi'unan nabiyan bil baraka. Seventy prophets, more than seventy prophets, made dua for Allah subhanahu wa taala to put blessing and baraka in this tree. Minhum Ibrahim. From amongst them is Ibrahim alayhi salam. Wa minhum Sayyiduna Muhammad. And from amongst them is our Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Fainahu called the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Allahumma barik fi al zaitun, fi al wa Zaytun. Oh Allah, put blessing in the oil that comes from the olive, and also within the olive itself twice. He said this, he repeated himself twice. And this is a passage from the Tafsir of Imam Al-Qurtubi. So the Prophet used to like using olive oil in his food as well. The next hadith of course is a similar narration. قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا يَحْيَىٰ إِبْنُ مُوسَىٰ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ qala قَالَ أَنْبَأَنَا مَعْمَرَ عَنْ زَيْدِ بْنِ أَسْلَمْ عَنْ أَبِهِ عَنْ عُمْرِ بْنِ الْخَطَّابِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَلَىٰ عَنْهُ قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَىٰ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمَا كُلُوا الزَيْتَ وَادَّهِنُوا بِهِ فَإِنَّهُ مِنْ شَجَرَةٍ مباركة That eat or use olive oil in your food and apply it to yourself as well because it comes from a very blessed tree. There's some commentary on the Sanat that Imam Tirmidhi has in some versions. قَالَ أَبُوا عِسَى وَعَبْدُ الرَّزَاقِ Fiyad al فِي هَذَ الْحَدِيثِ فَرُبَّمَا أَسْنَدَهُ وَرُبَّمَا أَرْسَلَهُ so this particular narration, Abdul Razak has some ittirab, meaning he's a little bit confused in this particular narration. So sometimes he connects it to the Prophet all the way through the Sahabi, and sometimes he narrates it as a mursal where he skips over the Sahabi, uh, Umar رضي الله تعالى and he relates it directly. قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا السِّنْجِي وَهُوَ أَبُوْ داود سُلَيْمَانُ بْنُ مَعْبَدِ السِّنْجِي عن 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 and And so this is the other version where it's a Mursal narration. The sahabi is skipped. It jumps from the Tabi'i straight to the Messenger sallallahu And so that type of a narration is Sometimes problematic, sometimes it's not. It really just depends on who the narrator is, but because we find a supporting narration that mentions the Sahabi, it's not problematic. قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ بَشَارِ قَالَ فَأُتِيَ بِطَعَامٍ أَوْ fa لَهُ فَجَعَلْتُ أَتَتَبَّعُهُ فَأَضَعُهُ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ لِمَا أَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُ يُحِبُّهُ Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that the Prophet ﷺ used to very much love uh, vegetables kind of like uh, vegetables like squash, cucumber, melons, uh, things like that. The Prophet ﷺ was very fond of them. And so he says that the Prophet ﷺ was brought, some food was brought to him or the fact that he called for some food, he requested some food. And so I was eating with him. So what I would do is I would find it, it was kind of like a curry where it was moving around a little bit. So I would basically find it in the food and then I would place it in front of the Prophet ﷺ because I knew that how much he loved it, how much he enjoyed it. And so this again shows the affection that they had for the Prophet and the type of relationship that they had. That Anas bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu wasn't just some, you know, annoying teenager in the community to the Prophet, ﷺ, nor was he just some simple helping hand or a volunteer or just some secretary assistant type of guy, right? But the but Anas bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu, his relationship with the Prophet ﷺ was that of a almost like a son, how you would treat your own son. That's how their relationship was. So you see this affection being reciprocated, right? A lot of times, and of course, Anas bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu is a remarkable person in his own rights, but we still have to extract the lesson. A lot of times we'll complain about teenagers and youth behaving this way and that way. Well, sometimes we have to make the first gesture. We have to kind of extend ourselves and we have to show some kindness and affection and compassion and wait for them to reciprocate. قال حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد قال حدثنا حفص بن غياث عن إسماعيل بن أبي خالد عن حكيم بن جابر عن أبيه قال دخلت على على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فرأيت عنده دبّا يُقَطَّعُ or وفي روايات يقطعوا فقلت ما هذا قال نكثر به طعامنا so قت um, Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Jabir radiallahu ta'ala anhu, this is Jabir bin Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says that, I saw with the Prophet, I, I went to visit the Prophet wasallam, and I saw that he had uh, something like squash uh, as food, and he was breaking it up, he was cutting it up into small pieces. And so I said, What is this, O Messenger of Allah? Like, why are you doing it? Why wouldn't you just eat it like a bigger piece? And he said that I'm making more food. I'm increasing the food. Meaning this way more people can eat it, more people can share it, right? That if there's three people and there's only two pieces, so this way I'll make six pieces. Everyone gets three pieces. Everyone feels or whatever. And everyone feels like they were able to eat more food. So this again shows the Prophet ﷺ would share his food and for the purpose of barakah and blessing. Imam Tirmidhi in another... uh, again has some commentary so excuse me I'm corrected It's not Jabir bin Abdullah Jabir bin Tariq this is the only narration that this Sahabi has narrated this is the only narration that he relates from the Prophet of Allah I'll go ahead and end here at the end of the page inshaAllah. قال حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد عن مالك بن انس عن اسحاق بن عبد الله بن ابي طلح انه سمع انس بن مالك رضي الله تعالى عنه يقول ان خياطا دعا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم صنعه فقال رضي الله تعالى عنه فذهبت مع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ila dhalika at'am fa qarraba ila rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam khubzan min sha'irin wa maraqan fihi dubba' wa qadid qala anas fa ra'aytu nabiyyan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yattaba'u ad-dubba' hawali al-qissa qas'a excuse me fa lam azal uhibbu ad-dubba' min yawma idhin min yawmi idhin anas radiyallahu ta'ala says that i he says that a Tailor, khayyat is a tailor, a tailor invited the Prophet ﷺ for some food that he had prepared for the Prophet ﷺ. Ibn Hajar says, I was not able to find the name of this particular tailor. Some narrations say that this was also, he was a slave previously who had been freed by the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ had arranged for his freedom. So Anas says that, I went with the Prophet ﷺ for that food. So he presented to the Prophet ﷺ some bread that was made from barley, and he had a little bit of a curry or a gravy that had that squash in it, Waqadun. Qadid basically refers to meats that had been dried, almost like what we would call jerky. So there was like some dried meat, there was some jerky, and it was in there as well. Anna says that I saw the Prophet particularly looking for the squash in the food, and he was going around the plate looking for it, and he says that I never stopped loving that type of vegetable from that day going forward. Meaning I... I always enjoy eating that food because of how much I saw the Prophet ﷺ used to enjoy that type of food. Now again, there's two questions here, number one, or two issues here. Number one is the Prophet ﷺ says, كُلْ yali," Right, eat with your right hand and eat from in front of you. And he's specifically saying the Prophet ﷺ was kind of going around the plate looking for it, this is not the norm or not the rule, this is the exception because the Prophet ﷺ were sharing food with Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And so they kind of had that type of relationship. So it shows that it depends on who you're exactly eating food with. Um, that that sometimes can be changed but generally speaking if you're eating with more people then you should try to eat directly from in front of you but again it's not saying that if you're in an intimate setting somebody's eating with their spouse or with their own child right where you can even be playful and you can eat from somebody else's side or whatever it is all of a sudden it's like oh hey why do you hate the sunnah so much right so that's not one of those moments Right, so that doesn't mean that. It depends on who you're eating food with. And then the other thing that it is, is that that comment of his. Because we've come back to this point so many times. He says, I fell in love with this food. I enjoyed that food. I liked that type of food. That day when I saw how much the Prophet ﷺ loved it. This is, I mean, this is the, again, can, can we call it a sunnah specifically to eat a particular type of vegetable? Not necessarily. The Prophet ﷺ never told us any reward for it, any virtue for it, right? It wasn't designated as an act of worship. But at the same time, something the Prophet ﷺ loved and enjoyed, and you loved the Prophet ﷺ, so that becomes beloved to you. That act or that action or that way he would dress or that food that he would eat or how he would sit or how he would walk, how he would talk, where he would sit, that would become beloved to you because you fell in love with the Prophet ﷺ. Right, and so that's very, very important. There's a very interesting story. Qadi Abu Yusuf, uh, rahmahullahu taala, who's one of the great fuqaha, um, he's a student of Abu Hanifa rahmahullahu taala. So he actually says one time that I sat down to eat with someone, and this duba, like squash or something like that, was presented. It was cooked. It was presented, and one person that I was sitting across from goes, "Oh my God, I hate this." And he said that I had just been reading, a little while ago I had been reading these hadith about how much the Prophet loved it. And he said I had to restrain myself. I had to refrain from physically striking that person. Because again, it just became something so personal and so intimate to me. Right, so personal, so intimate. And we all have people that we feel that way about. (laughs) And meaning not that we want to kill, I mean... (laughs) We all have people that we love so much (laughs) that if somebody kind of makes a comment saying like, oh my God, I hate people who do that. And let's say that's what your mother does that, right? Right? It it happens, right? Some people don't know. I I don't know everyone's family here, right? So somebody might be, you know, um, whatever it may be. They be They might have a particular mannerism of doing something. Right. And so they might be doing something in a particular way and I'll be like and I unknowingly and foolishly, and again that's the result of talking too much unnecessarily, kathratul Kalam. Right? And so I I'm just like, Oh man, I hate that. Or I hate people who wear dress like that, or I hate people who talk like that, or walk like that, or act like that, or behave like that. And you're like, Whoa, time out. Right? Like that's how my mom dresses. Or that's how my mom, you know, does this. Or that's how my father does that. Right? I hate kids who do this or that. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. My daughters do that. Right? So thank you for saying you hate my daughters. Right? Now I'm offended. I'm genuinely offended right now. Right? And so because when you love someone, right, the heart is attached to that person. And so again, think about the idea. Think about the fact that when the Prophet ﷺ becomes that beloved to us, then that's how we feel about the Prophet. ﷺ, right? The last hadith, because it's a good note to end on, we've seen the simplicity of the Prophet. ﷺ. One of, and we're not done with the chapter, so I want to reserve like some of the other observations after we finish the chapter, inshallah, tomorrow. Um but <clears throat> One of the things that we kind of are able to observe already, whether he's just dipping his bread in vinegar and eating it, or there's olive oil, or there's this squash, or there's that, right? Or sometimes he's eating chicken, and then sometimes he's eating meat, and sometimes he's eating meat and the vegetables cooked together, right? When he's being invited to it. Basically what the summary of it is, is what? That as long as it was permissible, halal, and then it was tayyib, it was clean, good, healthy food, the Prophet ﷺ would eat whatever was placed before him. The biggest thing you pick up from this, the Prophet ﷺ wasn't picky about food. The Prophet ﷺ was not high maintenance. Right? You know those conversations? What are we gonna eat? Okay, let's eat this. No. Let's eat that. No. I don't like it. Let's eat that. I don't like that. Okay, then what about this? I don't like it. You go through 12 items. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. You know what? I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I don't want to eat anything. Right? I would rather starve to death than continue down this list of things that you don't eat. Right? The Prophet was a simple person. He would eat whatever was put in front of him. There was dried up bread. There was some vinegar. Alright, bismillah. Eat food. You just want to, you, you, you want to basically stop the hunger is the point. You don't want to be hungry anymore. You want enough food to give you enough energy to be able to do your job, to go about your business. To follow up with the task at hand. Because obsessing over that food, where for an hour I have to figure out what I'm going to eat, then I have to spend another hour figuring out where I can get what I can eat. Then an hour actually eating, وَالْعَيَاذُ billah, Right? It's it's ajeeb. Right? And so... The Prophet was a simple person in that regard. However, that still doesn't change the fact that you don't enjoy the finer things in life. And then when you come across something without going to a lot of trouble, without unnecessarily going out of your way, when something nice, something good is presented to you, you enjoy it, you say Alhamdulillah, and you know, you thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's the narration that we're going to end on. Uh, rahimahu allah ta'ala so he narrates a narration from all three of his teachers very popular narration for obvious reason qalu <laughs> hadathana abu Usama an hisham ibn urwaa an Abihi an a'ishata radiyallahu ta'ala anha qalat kana nabiyyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam halwa halwaa wal 'asala the prophet of allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam loved sweet things <laughs> <laughs> he loved sweet things desserts and things like that and honey. The Prophet ﷺ loved it. And he enjoyed it. And he praised Allah and thanked Allah when he had it. Right, so he enjoyed things, good things, when Allah provided them. But again, the simplicity was there. If it was there, he ate it, he thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he enjoyed it. But again, there were more important things to do than drive halfway across town to get the only type of Thai food that I can tolerate. All right. May Allah guide us all. Subhanallah, <laughs> <laughs>